so then I was like the only thing that would make sense and in my in my twisted mind at the time was for both of us to die and so I pictured all sorts of things um, and I eventually landed on drowning us both in the bathtub Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Joe, and you're listening to This Is Mom Life Podcast. This episode is sponsored by The Rustic Roots, where you can find something for everyone in our unique shop. Everything from custom apparel, hair accessories, pet accessories, and so much more. Find the link to shop in the info portion of this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning into our channel. You're going to be hearing some amazing and inspiring stories from some phenomenal moms. This podcast is here to share with you the struggles of everyday mom life. After searching through what feels like hundreds of podcasts, I couldn't fully relate to them. I wanted to hear the hard truths about mom life, the struggles, the big successes, not sugarcoating everything. I wanted the real and raw stories. So in This Is Mom Life podcast, we're going to touch on the not so easy to touch on subjects. Everything from postpartum depression, birthing challenges, pregnant moms and their fears, miscarriages, and how all these moms worked through it or are still working through it. I'm hoping certain subjects will resonate with you and offer you some form of support, or perhaps a light at the end of your tunnel. But it's not all going to be the hard stuff. We're going to touch on everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the glamorous. I want this to be a podcast where you can say, wow, I'm not the only one struggling with this. It seems like we always need to hide the fact that we struggle as moms. You always need to be strong. Like we can't share that we are going through something and wish we could talk about it. This often makes us feel like we have to deal with our emotions and feelings alone. Being a mom the first time, but let's be honest, every time is hard. And our hormones aren't always our friends. They can be our enemies. But please remember that I am not a medical professional. And unless otherwise stated, neither are my guests. If you hear advice or recommendations here that pertain to your situation, please see a medical professional before trying anything that you hear on this podcast. So let's start this podcast, the nitty gritty that is the wonderful life of moms. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any episodes. Welcome to our first episode of This Is Mom Life Podcast. I have no idea where this podcast will go. Even if I have a very small amount of listeners, I hope it helps even just one person feel like they are not alone in their struggles. But first, let me introduce myself to you real quick. I'm Joe. I'm a mom of two kick-ass kids. My daughter's four and my son is two and they keep me busy. I'm also a wife to my wonderful husband. I'm a dental hygienist and I run a shop with my good friend called The Rustic Roots, which I'm sure you've heard. They are the sponsors of this show. On this episode, I'll be touching on regular mom life frustrations and challenges, but the bigger subject here is postpartum depression. My guest today is my longtime friend, Michelle. We've been friends since high school, and she's the first person who ever talked to me about postpartum depression. Michelle, thanks for joining me on my first podcast and being open to talking about your personal experience with postpartum depression. Thanks for having me. Um, You're the first person who had kids and was married in our our group of friends. Yeah, I was a baby. Yeah. Um, So tell us a bit about your family, your birth story. I mean, we know how they were made, but... (laughs) Overall, how was your pregnancies? Um, so, okay. So I got married. We were 23. So we were just little. 
Um, and we started to have, tr started trying to have a baby like right away. Cause I had major baby fever since I was like five. Right. Like I always wanted to have kids. Um, so I stopped taking my birth control like the month before we got married and within like two or three cycles, I got a positive pregnancy test. So we were super excited. And then within like a few weeks, I started feeling the typical first trimester symptoms. So nauseated, like I couldn't walk into a grocery store without feeling like I was going to throw up. Like it was pretty bad, but I never actually got sick. So that was a what plus. Was grocery store that did that? I don't know. You know what? I got pregnant around New Year's. So it was really cold outside. So I don't know if it was just like I would walk into the warm grocery store and then all I would smell is like raw meat or something. Tons, and it just tons of different foods. <laughs> it was so gross. Like I couldn't smell raw chicken breast or ground beef, like anything like that just turned my stomach. So I stuck to like chips and popsicles and like stuff like that. The good for the stuff. I mean, yeah, the good stuff. Like the baby loves that stuff for like the first three months. So it was pretty rough. Um, but like I never actually threw up. So that was a plus. Um, the only thing that really, really sucked at the beginning was that my boobs like exploded. And so I was only, I don't know, eight or nine weeks pregnant. And all of a sudden my bra size went up by like two cup sizes and I had stretch marks everywhere. I'm like, no. But Jeff was like, yes. Yeah. But they were so painful. So I mean like, yeah, they were fun to look at, but like, don't touch them. <laughs> like if you looked at them, they hurt. So yeah. it was really, really painful. So that lasted a while and it was like, great stretch marks, first trimester. Perfect. Yeah. So anyways, beyond that, um, it was all right. Um, so like around six or seven weeks, I was at work. I worked for like, uh, like a phone company, like a, like a health benefits, but I worked on the phone line. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of sitting at my desk and I'm working and I have to go to the bathroom and, uh, I had started bleeding. So right away, like I was scared that I was losing the baby and right. all I could think was, okay, but I still feel pregnant. Like I still felt, you know, the typical pregnancy symptoms and I had no cramping, but it looked like a lot of blood. Yeah. So I called my mom, I called Jeff and um, we made an appointment with my doctor and she got us in that day. She kind of felt around and she said, well, we'll book you in for an ultrasound just in case. So the next day I went in for an ultrasound and when you're that early, they won't show you the screen and they can't tell no. you anything, as you know. So that was even more stressful. So I had to go home and wait for hours until I finally got a call from my doctor and they said, oh, you know, everything looks good. There's a heartbeat and all that stuff. So that was like our first big scare with that pregnancy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, great start. And but then after that, everything was great. Like we had yeah. no more scares. Um, Did they ever say it was like implantation bleeding? Because I kind of had the same thing around, I want to say like eight or nine weeks. Yeah, so that's what my doctor had said. She said it's likely um, the placenta attaching, given yeah. like the timing of my pregnancy and everything. I ended up being off by like a week and week and a half, two weeks anyway. So like my math was totally wrong, but it would have been around that time. So it yeah. did make sense. It just seemed like a lot of blood for that time. And it's scary because you're that's not supposed to happen. Well, exactly. That's like part of the perks of pregnancies. You don't get a period, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, anyway, so that kind of freaked us out, but then we were really relieved when everything came back fine. fine. And, yeah. And so then physically everything else was perfect with my pregnancy. Um, so the only other thing, like physically everything was perfect, you know, like I was gaining weight the right amount. I wasn't overeating. Like I was, um, dead considering set. the chips, considering the chips. <laughs> but then once this, the first trimester was over, I was kind of eating back to normal. Like I still had aversions like ground beef. I could not get near it. 
and like told side was my favorite so like when I was pregnant and like my mother-in-law had made one I was just like trying not to throw up in my mouth <laughs> like it was just anyways so like but mostly I was back to eating normal. yeah I find um, that meats though in poultry that seems to be a pretty common one yeah well with Sophie it was but then with my second pregnancy all I wanted was like chili and like meat pies and like manly meaty foods which was really he was a, funny. He was a boy so he, he was wanted a boy. all the manly stuff. And oddly enough he's not a big fan of meat now so. No <laughs> you ate too much during your pregnancy. I guess so I was like really and like I don't love chili as like by itself like I like it as a condiment and I was mm-hmm. just like scarfing that stuff down. <laughs> so anyways but yeah so with Sophie like it was more like fruits and whatever like that and she's my carnivore so not sure what happened there no you never know they say your diet affects the way they eat when once they're here so well I did eat a lot of pickles and pickles were like are still her favorite so it stands to reason that pickles are my favorite so now her and I can definitely be friends yes absolutely because I'm not (laughs) a big fan of pickles but I loved them when I was pregnant with her um but anyway so I was obsessed with being perfect at pregnancy you know, healthy and follow recommendations and all that. Um, But I found I was obsessing over it. So like, whereas with my second pregnancy, you know, I would have like a bologna sandwich and not feel like I was killing my baby sort of thing. Whereas with Sophie, I was very strict. And like, I had a list of what I could and couldn't eat. And I wouldn't do like certain exercises. I was very like obsessive about it. Like, even if they said one cup of coffee was okay, I was like, nope, no coffee. Like very, (laughs) and looking back, it was kind of to the point where it was a little odd. Um, I had these crazy mood swings, which I had attributed to just pregnancy, like it's PMS on steroids. Yeah. Um, but it was way worse. Like we lived in an apartment and, uh, the one day, like there were dishes in the sink and just like, oh, like, you know, we should probably get those dishes done. And I started crying at the thought of doing dishes. Like it was just like crazy things like that. And then when we bought our house, I was trying to make banana bread and we had no chocolate chips. And I was like in a rage that we had no chocolate chips, like full out rage. Like I was pissed. So just like little things like that, that looking back, I was like, you know, like that might've been an indicator. A little over the top. (laughs) Yeah. But also could be a typical like pregnancy. Well, I actually read some facts and they said um, about 30% of women are who have postpartum depression actually started showing symptoms during their pregnancy totally yeah and like they weren't super severe like I wasn't depressed during my pregnancy so to speak but there were definitely like rage moments and stuff like that like very obsessive behaviors small indicators exactly which like on their own might not say like oh like you're gonna get postpartum depression but you know looking back it's like oh yeah like it makes sense And I even remember like going to work and we were discussing postpartum depression, which I had heard of before, like on the news and on TV shows and stuff. And one of my girlfriends just said like, you know, very matter of fact, like, well, Michelle will never get that. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Like I want this baby. I'll never get postpartum depression. Yeah. Because we think we can control it. Of course. Because we can control our our brain disorders and all that (laughs) kind of stuff. So, but no, like physically my pregnancy was perfect. Like, you know, all my midwives appointments were great, you know, tired at first and then like a bit better in the second trimester. And then by the third, I was like, okay, like month 87, like, let's <laughs> get this baby out. The last few weeks of pregnancy are just torture. But I mean, beyond that, everything was pretty yeah. perfect. So I couldn't really complain about my pregnancy experience beyond that. Yeah. But you had, you did choose a midwife. I did. And 
did you have Sophie at home? I did. Okay. So you had both your kids at home. I did. Well, wow. the second one, I didn't really have a choice. No, he was coming to but, <laughs> but that's a different story. <laughs> um, yeah. So what happened with that, um, we had Netflix, like most people do. And we were just like Netflix and chilling at home in our apartment. I don't even think we were really married yet. We were engaged and living together. And we stumbled upon the business of being born, which is a, like a documentary by Ricky Lake. And I was like, oh, like, that's interesting. Like, I like documentaries. So we watched it. And it was really eye-opening and interesting. And I was like, oh, like, I, I wasn't going to jump on a bandwagon because of a TV or a movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it kind of got me researching. And I was shocked to find out that midwifery care is offered in Sudbury. So I was like, oh, like, this is, I, I had never heard of them before. I had never seen them advertised. So then that's what introduced us to midwifery-led care versus OBGYNs. And be clear I have nothing against OBGYNs they're there for a reason and uh, I just decided to get onto Google and I found that they, we had a couple of different practices in Sudbury and I just happened to pick the one that was closest to my work um, so once we got pregnant and had our first appointment with them um, we were sold like we had had a great first appointment with them I think it was half an hour or an hour I can't remember how long they are, but they're definitely longer any, than any doctor's visit I've ever had. Um, we just loved their patient-centered approach. So, you know, we never felt rushed out of the room and they were always so patient and would answer any question we had. And, you know, we didn't feel stupid or like we were inconveniencing them. It was very um, personalized. Mm -hmm. So I love the team of midwives. Like we always rotated between the same two. So we were guaranteed that one of the two would be at the birth. So we were always, you know, reassured that we would know the person delivering whereas with a doctor or an OBGYN it's it can be whoever's on call like right you never really know for sure right so we really liked that and as soon as we met with them um we felt confident in our decision you know like you know if anything goes wrong or like your pregnancy becomes somehow complicated we'll either confer with an OBGYN or transfer your care and I said perfect like that's responsible and I felt good about it yeah. and again it came back to me wanting to be perfect yeah <laughs> and like it was just this obsessive thing where like I have to have a natural childbirth I have to have no drugs I need to breastfeed I need to do everything you need right? to be the strong mom that can do it all yes otherwise it was like nope you failed like even if you know you have a healthy baby at the end like you did it wrong so it doesn't count like it was just this awful like mindset that because I had you feel in. like these are things that are expected of you like if, if you were to do it a different way, you have that stigma. Yeah, it was rough. Plus like you get on, you get those mommy boards on like yeah. Facebook and stuff too that talk about, well, your body's designed for it. And if you can't do it that way, you're just lazy. Yeah. So that, that's where, and I, I don't regret going with my midwives at all. No. Like it was fantastic, but there was a lot of other judgments kind of coming into play with our A lot of mom too, shaming so. goes on and it's hard when you're trying to do it yeah. your way. Totally. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of weird looks about it. Like, even though, like, we didn't find out the gender of the baby the first time around. So people were like, oh, like, what are you having? And I said, a baby. <laughs> I said, haha, like, do you know the gender? And I said, well, no. Oh, I could never do that. Like, how do you know what color to choose and how to decorate? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's a baby. It's not going to care. <laughs> no, it can't see it. <laughs> right? Like, it can't see it. They don't care. So, you know, I got a lot of flack for that. But then at the same time, you get flack if you do find out the gender. Like, it's just, yeah. you can't win. And that's what I've come to find. Like, you can't win no matter what you choose. So no. it is what it is. But um, 
so they were, yeah, so they were really good. We had our appointment with them. We weren't considering a home birth at the time. A lot, like a lot of people we said, oh, you know what, like we'll go with the midwives. Like mm-hmm. we'll kind of dip our toe in the water. And if everything goes well, and there's no emergency with our first baby at the hospital where we're at just in case, then maybe for our next one, we'll have a home birth. Then I started doing more researching. As you do. <laughs> when you're pregnant, you Google all day long. Um, and I was on a lot of pro natural childbirth blogs and whatever else. So I figured there's no harm in asking like how that works. So I brought my mom with me because my mom is a, a nurse and she's had four babies naturally at the hospital with doctors because midwives weren't um, regulated at the time when we were born. So she's like, I wish I could have had home births. Like I had such easy pregnancies and labors and deliveries. Like I wish I could have done all that at home. I like, it's so cool. that That's an option now. So I took her with me. Um, I think Jeff was with me too, my husband, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't really remember. (laughs) It's been a bit Um, now. (laughs) It's been a bit. It's been a little, it's been a bit. So um, I asked my questions and I wanted my mom there in case she had questions that I couldn't come up with and you know so I asked the questions like you know is it safe like standard first question you would ask (laughs) and the midwife I had at the time um had said I'll never forget it she said I don't even go downhill skiing so the second we see any red flag we're transferring you to the hospital whether you want to or not and the way they explained it to me like the first red flag like you still have a lot of time between that first red flag and a catastrophe. Right. Like very rarely will you have something that just immediately shockingly goes wrong. So by the time, you know, they call an ambulance, like you're in the hospital room within half an hour being prepped for a C-section, if that's the case kind of thing. So like the, the time difference was very low. They shared with me that the statistics showed that it was like 0.1% safer or something at home than it was in the hospital. Like, I mean, a very, like a very small percentage, like barely any difference, as long as you had, you know, a healthy pregnancy and no complications and, you know, uh, a midwife, like a professional there to assist. Right. So we, we talked about it. We brought home some, um, some pamphlets and stuff because his mom was not on board at all. <laughs> My mom was totally sold on it. <laughs> Um, so, you know, his mom was really kind of worried because she had had a very different kind of birthing experience where both her babies were preemies, she was on bed rest, it, like it, not peaceful births at all, whereas my mom had had the positive birthing experience. Right. Um, so we gave her all of that literature and let her kind of read it. Um, so she wasn't totally sold on it. So I told her, listen, at the hospital, I can only have two support people in the room. I can have my husband and my mom because that's who I'm choosing. But at my house, I can have whoever I want. Oh. <laughs> and so she was at the birth and she was like right front and center and saw the whole thing. Yeah. And to this day, she says it's like the best thing she's ever seen in her entire life. And it's her favorite memories is watching both of her grandkids be born. Right. Um, so, you know, we kind of converted her a little bit. But I mean, of so, course, like you were saying, she had those kind of bad experiences. So that's all she yeah. kind of knows. So now you've shown her a really good positive one. Exactly. And so then, you know, it was, it really changed her opinion on it. It's hard when you've only had, yeah, you know, scary um, scenarios, right? So yeah, it was really good. So we did make that decision, as you know, and uh, <laughs> later on, they said that my labor was precipitous, which it translated to stupid fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm sure people hated me for it. But Um, It started, you know, kind of like a typical labor does, like slowly and, you know, cramps, not really contractions. And so 
um, around midnight, I called my mom and I said, you know, like they're kind of close together. They're not super intense now, but like she lives in Nizelda and I live in Garson. So maybe make your way here. And we put his mom on standby. By like five o'clock in the morning, uh, my mom's like, hey, you like, you need to call your midwife. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, it's starting to progress. I guess she could tell by the way my moans were, which is weird, but I guess you get like a guttural sound. And so she's like, hey, like call your midwives. So we did. And they're like, oh, I don't know. It's your first. Like, I don't think you're quite as far along as you think you are. And I said, nope. Like, <laughs> so like, well, we're going to wait for a contraction. So that's what they do is they listen to you on the phone and try to get you to talk through your contractions. And if you can't talk through your contractions, it's real labor. So they're like, okay, like we'll head over. And I think they were just kind of um, humoring me. I'm like, okay, first time mom, like we'll, go to, like we'll be there within the hour. I said, all right. So we started filling up the labor tub, the birthing tub, which you could rent uh, for free, but then you had to buy a liner for sanitary reasons, obviously. So we set that up in my living room and Jeff and my mom were loading it with buckets of hot water. <laughs> And luckily, Sophie was born in September, so it was still warm outside. So yeah. we didn't run out of hot water like we did with the second one. Yeah, so he oh, was no. a starting turf. Uh, <laughs> um, so they filled up the, the tub, and as soon as I got in, it was like immediate relief. Like, it felt so good. Um, so I was there, and I was on my knees kind of leaning against it to try to get gravity to help um, bring the baby down. So, you know, I'm laboring, and the midwives, like, show up, and they walk in, and they're like, okay, like, they, they could hear my contractions, and they're like, oh, okay, like, this, <laughs> this is happening, yeah. and this was maybe, like, 6.30 in the morning, so, like, okay, like, we can't check your cervix in the tub, so we'll get you out, and we'll check you, so I walked over to my bedroom, and she's like, you're eight centimeters, <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> yeah, so she's like, okay, like, is it okay if we just break your water, because as soon as we do that, you'll probably go right to 10, yeah, so I said, okay. So she broke my water and it just like went to 10 centimeters, like right then. Um, so she said, all right, like, no, you can push. So I went back in the tub and she was born like a little bit after eight o'clock in the morning. Wow. So like super fast. Mm -hmm. And so they said, you know, like, for your next baby, like <laughs> make sure that we're alerted ahead of time. Yeah, because Call a bit earlier. <laughs> call a bit earlier because yeah, it's going to come fast. Um, so uh like the birth and everything was perfect like everything went great um but then I had a lot of clotting and bleeding afterwards that they had a hard time controlling and I still maintained that I would rather give birth 15 times in a row than to deal with an hour of that fundal massage yes oh I, I so know what you mean it's horrible it and they had to do it for three hours like with Lincoln they did it for maybe 20 minutes and they're like okay like it's oh, fine hours There's three hours because wow. I wouldn't stop bleeding. I kept passing big clots. So they ended up having to give me a couple shots of Pitocin to try to help my uterus contract. The best way that I that think stuff. I can describe that feeling is taking like an SOS pad to your vagina. Seriously. That's, that's how I can describe it the best way. Yeah. I was trying to describe it to Jeff and I'm like, imagine getting kicked in the nuts like 80 times yeah. in a row every five minutes. Cause they don't like, use that really soft gauze either. No. They got that really cordy one. That's oh. It's just that it's it was the so pushing rough. down on my stomach. Yeah, it was oh, rough. Yes. It was awful. So You're bringing anyways. back so many memories for me too. <laughs> right? And like I'm clenching just thinking about it. So anyways, they were like, you know, if this doesn't get under control in the next 15 minutes, we have to transfer you to the hospital. Um, 
for a DNC and a blood transfusion because you're losing a lot of blood. And I was wow. like, are you kidding me? Like, I just had a perfect home birth and now I'm going to have to everything go to the hospital. perfect. <laughs> right? Like, everything was, my baby's perfect. Like, I was fine. Like, everything went great. And now you're telling me I need to go get put under yeah. for a procedure. And I'm like, well, can I still breastfeed? Because I was fixated again on yeah. breastfeeding. And they're like, well, no, like, you're going to be like sedated. And I'm like, but <laughs> but I want to breastfeed. <laughs> like this, this is this is not part of my plan. Um, but like after those two shots of pitocin, like they got it under control. Um, but I was very like they're like you can't get out of bed for like two or three days. Like you really need to rest, which I didn't do. No, as you wouldn't, right? Like I was hungry. I would like crawl to my kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> to get like a bowl of cereal. You're like I'm um, an independent woman. I'm doing this. <laughs> Pretty well, and I felt bad because like we had been up all night with the baby. Like the first night, she was a terrible, terrible baby, by the way. Um, and Jeff was finally sleeping, and we had been up all night, and I didn't want to wake him up to get me food. So like I just kind of, you know, yeah. Twelve hours after or twenty-four hours after birth, I'm like, I'm just gonna get myself some food. <laughs> so yeah, it was a a little rough, but but overall, like the whole experience with my midwives was fantastic. Yeah, and Lincoln was born in about what thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Like, I had my first cramp at, like, 10 o'clock, 9.30, 9.30 or 10, and he was born, like, a shortly after 12. Yeah. I was, like, I sneezed. I remember seeing on Facebook that you posted a picture. You're like, I took this picture 30 minutes before he was born just because I wanted that 40-week yeah. baby bump picture. And, and you, you see, see <laughs> Jeff in the background filling up the tub. Yeah, he's there with the and hose. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Like within five or six hours, I'll have a baby. Yeah. Like try twenty minutes later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your like mom was, uh, caught him. She, yeah, yeah, she did. Because um, Jeff called the midwives because I like there was nothing happening. Like I called them to say, okay, like I think you need to start making your way here. Like things feel different because that's what Buffy had said. She's like, the second anything feels weird, you call. And yes. I said, okay. So I did, and uh, they told me later that they were stuck. Um, on Falcon Bridge between like they were stuck behind a transport mm. and like an old guy <laughs> so <laughs> they couldn't pass and they don't have sirens or anything no so they were stuck behind them in traffic and so um I had no contractions after that for like 15 minutes and I was like oh don't tell me because I had like two false labors two weekends in a row so right. like all the leg had already been done right so I'm in the tub, like just kind of relaxing, and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like my labor stalled. And then all of a sudden I had this like triple peak contraction that lasted like five minutes where it just kind of like, it was like it would peak and then it would kind of go down, but never fully end and then go back yeah. up. And then like, anyways, it was awful. So when that contraction ended, I looked at my mom and I said, mom, I feel his head. And she's a nurse, thankfully. So like yeah. it wasn't super weird. Um, and I'm just kind of kneeling in the tub and so she puts her, like, puts her hand between my legs, and she, like, looks at my mother-in-law and says, fuck. So his head was right there, and my water hadn't broken or anything. Well, she asked. She's like, did your water break? I said, I don't know. I'm in the tub. Yeah. No, unclear. <laughs> Probably not, though. Um, so she's like, well, I, I don't, she's, she's a nurse, but she never worked on labor and delivery. Yeah. And she said, I, I don't know how to deliver a baby underwater. <laughs> And I said, well, you can't, and I knew this from my first, is that I didn't have enough water and it was not warm enough because it had to be like a set temperature and a certain okay. depth. Um, she's like, I'm going to need to get you out. I'm like, okay, there's a baby literally dangling between my legs mm -hmm. and I have to walk from my kitchen to my bedroom. <gasps> oh no. So um, 
I was between my mom and Jeff and we like I waddled to my bedroom and then right when we got to my doorway I had another contraction so my mom just like went down just in case the baby fell out yeah (laughs) um but he didn't (laughs) he waited till I made it to the bed um and I was trying so hard not to push she's like you need to pant I'm like I'm trying (laughs) and uh so I'm trying really hard not to push and I mean your body just takes over Jeff's on the phone I can see him on my from my doorway with the midwives he's like I see his head so they're like we're we're on our way. We're stuck behind a papier. Like we'll be there soon. And uh, my mom's hands were shaking. Like I've never seen her scared in my life. Like she's so put together. Probably more because this is her child and her grandchild. Yeah. And that's what she said. She's like, had it been a stranger, I would have been totally calm, cool, and collected. But this was my child and my grandchild. It's a different mindset. And all she's like, I I was just thinking back to like my nursing textbooks from 35 years ago. And they've changed a lot from that. Oh, yeah. She's like, do I cut the cord? Do I call an ambulance? I'm like, don't touch the cord. <laughs> and I was super calm. Everyone around me is freaking out. I'm like, I'm cool. Like, yeah. it's just, he's going to come out, I guess. She's like, but, but your water didn't break. I'm like, it's not made of steel. Like, you can just rip it open. Yeah. It's fine. So it ended up breaking as he was crowning. And uh, then he came out and my mom's like, what do I do? I'm like, just wrap him in a towel. I'll hold him. She's like, what do I, like, do I do anything? I said, nope. Nope. <laughs> skin skin and it's all good. Pretty much. And he was, he was totally fine. Like he had the cord wrapped around his neck one time. So she just looped it. Yeah. Um, but that was it. Like there was no major complications with him either. Thank God. And yes. even like when they checked me after, they're like, you can't even tell you just had a baby. Like, Wow. Every no no micro tears. No, I wasn't even tired because I hadn't even done any work. No, it was so fast. <laughs> Seriously, he did all the work. Like I just tried not to. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, that was that was my traumatic birth, and he was like the easiest baby and everything yeah. after. And I like for me it wasn't traumatic, but Jeff's like never again. <laughs> no more babies. <laughs> like, no more babies. They said if if you do have another baby, we're moving in the week before your due date because you apparently have your kids on your due date, so you're predictable. You had both on the due date? Both of them are born on their due dates. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, based on their their ultrasounds, they were both right on the money. Oh, that's cool. You don't hear of that often. I know. It was very strange. Mm. Like, my midwife's due dates for me were different. Like, for Sophie, because I had been on the pill, my cycles weren't regular. Yeah. So I had calculated September 4th and they calculated September 8th. But then when I went for that ultrasound, when I thought I was miscarrying, they said September 12th and that was when she was born. So the ultrasound was right. And then with Lincoln, um, it was a leap year. (laughs) So I was like, just don't be February 29th. (laughs) And so they were saying March 4th and I said, yeah, but it's a leap year. So it's actually March 3rd. And sure enough, he was born on March 3rd. Wow. Ninth, I was extra squeezing him. Or oh yeah, February 29th. I'm like, nope, this is not happening. not coming out. <laughs> no, I know it's not a big deal, but I was just like, nope, <laughs> I am not having my baby on leap day. <laughs> but the midwife experience, like that was, that was really good. I mean, considering they did, they got stuck behind traffic and didn't make it to Lincoln's yeah. birth, you would I mean, still choose it again. <laughs> I would like the before care was still just as good as the first. And the post care was just as good. I mean, with the only thing with the second time around, they called it, they used to come like every day, right? For the first three days, I yes. think. And then every couple of days until it was like, um, I don't know, until you got to be two weeks and then you would go there weekly with the baby until they were six weeks old. Um, 
so like the second date they're like do you need us to come or like you know it's your second I was like no we're good like he was a super he was a super chill baby so it was very like they weren't super to the book or anything it was very you know whatever I needed they were happy to provide it but yeah I would totally choose them again and recommend them to everybody I know I see you sharing it on Facebook all the time we had the same I think we shared a midwife Meredith did we Oh, Meredith. Yeah. yeah. So she's the one who told me she doesn't go downhill skiing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she wasn't my attendant for either of my births. I had Buffy both times and she, I always called her my army nurse. Like Your she had nurse. that, like, yeah, she just gave me that vibe. Yes. Like no bullshit. You know yep. what I mean? Like very to the point. Um, cause that one, what was happening? I think it was when I had Sophie and I was trying to nurse her and they were still trying to get me to stop bleeding and I'm just like, oh, like I'm holding my baby and I'm trying to nurse because you guys keep telling me I have to nurse her. <laughs> and uh, I was very out of it. Like I was very tired because I had stayed up that whole night and everything. Yeah. And she's like, okay, like pass baby off to dad. And I'm like, what? And I was just kind of dazed. And she's like, this is life or death. Give the baby to dad. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like she does, she doesn't dick around, but also very um nurturing too yes. like mama bear meets army nurse anyways yeah. love love them both they she were wasn't both great in different ways. she wasn't the midwife from for dax's birth either i had um i had the i had sarah instead um oh, okay but i know i mean she was great too and everything but the night before i had dax i went into what i well i thought my water broke i think oh. I, I think i just peed myself in the kitchen not a big deal <laughs> it happens yeah I called her and I was like listen like I think it happened but you know I've got no pain she's like well just come in and I went in and, and it's a good thing that it wasn't my water because she had forgotten her glasses at home because she left in kind of a rush oh my god <laughs> and I had tested positive for group b strep for him of course so I needed an IV <laughs> oh my god so she's like looking at me she's like oh, well I'll do my best but she's like let's check first so thankfully I was fine and she just sent me home yeah so <laughs> oh my god but I had Sarah and then she, but she was my first, um, post-care appointment and that's very nurturing afterwards. But oh, yeah, yeah. Throughout like the whole, like, she's just very straightforward with all the information. That's what I really liked about them. Information is Me very too. clear and it's, they elaborate fully on risks, pros, cons. You make like yes. a completely informed decision because there's a lot of decisions we have to make that like we didn't, you didn't even think about, no, like vitamin K. Yeah, antibiotic eye ointment. Um, like yeah. there's just like all these things that you have to decide. Yeah, the and, the heel prick yeah, blood test. Yeah, like all those things yeah. that you don't even think. About. And then telling us like if we want to have the Billy Rubin test, like we have to bring our baby back in. They're like, you know, but what was nice about midwives is you had the choice. Everything yes. was really a choice, and then nothing was forced on you. And that's what I really liked about them too. Yeah, and that's kind of some of the backlash that I got about it was that I was never forced to do the diabetes testing mm-hmm. because I was low risk, like I because of my age and family history yeah. and the way I was gaining weight. I they're like, you know, you're very low risk. Like if something in your blood work pops up because they did all the blood work at the um, clinic, yeah, um, then we might send you for secondary testing, but it's not necessary. Like we're not going to put you through that disgusting test. No. If you, if we don't think that it's necessary for you. So I never had any diabetes testing with either of them. Yeah. And same with the group B strep. Um, the way she explained it to me was that uh, you could have a positive when they test you for it, whatever it is, two or three weeks before your due date. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you go to deliver, you're negative yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. So it's really not an accurate test anyway. So she said, you know, it's totally up to you. Like if you feel better getting it done. And I was like, well, I'm having a home birth. Like I can't. Yeah. on an IV like they, they could like they're set up for it yeah 
Um, but I'd rather not if I don't have to. And the risks were very low again, like they explained them to me. So I made an informed decision. Same with um, chromosomal testing. They're like, you know, do you want to do the in-depth ultrasound to find out if your baby has any... The IPS um, testing, eh? Yeah, like all that stuff. And I said, well, like, what does that entail? And they said, well, it's an ultrasound. And if they see something that looks odd, then it's um, an amniocentesis. And I'm like, well, yeah, if had they offered just the blood test at the time, I probably would have opted into it. But we also didn't have a lot of money. Like we were still only 23. Jeff was still an apprentice. Um, so like a four or $800 blood test at the time would not have been something that we could easily budget for. Yeah. I think we still would have done it had it been offered, but like our risk factors were low and everything. Um, and they can still miss stuff. Yeah. And like, even when, when I went for my ultrasound with Lincoln for his 20 week, he had um, a cyst in his brain. And so I remember thinking, holy shit, like that does not sound good. Um, so I asked my midwives about it and they scheduled a follow-up ultrasound just to make sure it was gone. But what they explained to me was that it's one of several um, indicators of some kind of issue, but you need to have like a minimum of three or four before they'll even explore if it's something else. One usually is nothing. And sure enough, like by the time I went for my follow-up, he had nothing. Okay. Um, yeah. So like I, I was fairly confident in that choice, but like my sister-in-law gets the testing done for all her kids. She feels like it's necessary because she was in her thirties when she started having kids. Right. Um, which is not old by any sense of the word, but I, not to I, I us, feel, but you know, not to us. No. As soon as you go in, when you're like in your thirties, they're starting to classify you as geriatric pregnancy, exactly. which I don't find is fair. <laughs> Especially not now. Like you no. see so many people having babies in their forties and fifties. Yeah. Like so most it's of them are just world. starting like in their thirties and now that's even being considered early. I feel like I had teen pregnancies. Me too. I had starting at 24 like <laughs> you know what I mean like I feel like I was still so little yeah compared to because now like we see our friends starting to have kids yes and they're like you know we're 30 31 yeah so it's just and like because you when you had Dax you would have been what 27 no sorry yeah no. when you had um Callie when I was with Callie it was 20 yeah I think I was 27 yeah because I wasn't I was Lincoln. yeah I was turning 29 when I had Dax because he was born on the 15th right. I'm on the 30th so I had turned 29 okay. just after I had him yeah see so if he was born in September so I had already turned 24 yeah and then Lincoln was born the month before I turned 27 so like just shy of 27 so like we were done by 30 yeah like just well you but that's had when Lincoln it's on your body. three months before I had Callie so exactly yeah <laughs> yeah so it's wild so, like, so we're, young men so naive. I know we're like we're like the experts though out of our like old group of friends all right so now the serious stuff postpartum you were the first person who talked to me about postpartum honestly I didn't even know that was thing again I wasn't even married I wasn't even thinking of kids yet so when you said postpartum I was like what is this thing so when did you find out when did you know that you had it um, okay, so I only had it with Sophie, my first. Um, with Lincoln, I was still medicated. So everything was great the second time around. Absolutely no issues. With Sophie, I think, looking back, I should have known the minute she was born. Mm -hmm. um, but I was, I only really knew, because I, you know, I've, growing up, I had a lot of mental health, like anxiety and depression throughout high school and stuff. 
but my parents never took it seriously. So I never was diagnosed or got help for it. So I kind of just always put it in the back burner and, you know, was told my whole life that I was just looking for attention. So I figured this is another one of those things. Like, you know, um, I'm not getting enough attention after having had this baby. So I'm, I'm making up all these problems. Um, so I only really knew when I was officially diagnosed. So looking back on it now, um, when Sophie was born, she was, you know, we had a beautiful water birth, everything was perfect. And, um, I held her in my arms and like in all the movies and stuff, right. You see mom holds the baby and she bursts into tears and it's like an immediate like connection and you're just in love. And I was just like, okay, cool. Um, I'm tired. Could somebody take this baby, please? Like I couldn't get her out of my arms fast enough. Yeah. And so I'm like, whatever, like, I'm just tired. You know, the bonding will come. Like, it's just, it's normal. You just worked really hard for hours. Yeah, right? I was like, okay, like, this is not strange. Like, you don't always get Mm -hmm. that in love feeling right away. Like, it's fine. Um, So uh, it didn't happen. (laughs) Like, I just, I felt like it was something I had to keep taking care of. And I was like, fuck, like, this baby doesn't sleep. I don't sleep. I'm tired. Um, And like I said, like, I had a friend who had said, like, oh, Michelle can't possibly have postpartum depression, like, before she was even born. And I was adamant that, no, I want this baby. I've always wanted mm-hmm. kids. Postpartum depression doesn't happen to people like me. It happens to people who don't want kids, which yeah. is obviously very wrong. Um, it happens to a minimum of 20 to 25% of people who are willing to admit it. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, the second she was born, I had gender disappointment, which again is a very stigmatized thing to talk about. Um, you're a horrible person if you say that you wished you had a different gendered child, right? So she, we didn't find out the gender um, because we wanted a surprise, but we were sure we were having a boy. Everyone around us was saying, you're having a boy. And so we just had this idea in our minds that we were having a boy. Um, So when she came out, I checked twice to make sure that there was no penis. And so I was, I didn't, I couldn't admit it to myself or to anybody else because like, what an awful thing to think. Like, you have this beautiful, healthy baby that people would do anything to have, and I'm just pissed off that it has the wrong private parts. Yeah. Um, but that was, I, you know, later found out, like, it was part of my depression. So um, that was the first kind of indicator. Um, and I felt no attachment. I was just tired. I wanted someone to take her. And then, like, once they were passing her around, they were like, oh, like, I'm sure mom wants the baby back. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. Like pass her around (laughs) we're fine um but I was still determined to do the best so that included breastfeeding and formula was not an option yep I had already donated all my free samples that I got in the mail um because I could not fail at this like I was already failing at like being bonded with my baby now like I had to breastfeed and so I did and she was gaining weight fine and everything but I wasn't eating enough And I remember going to visit um, my work with the baby when she was maybe, I want to say between six and eight weeks old. She had gone for her hearing tests and stuff. Maybe she was a bit younger. Um, And my boss looked at me and she said, you lost a lot of weight. And I said, oh, thanks. Like thinking it's a compliment. And she said, no, like you lost a lot of weight. And I wasn't even fitting into like my pre-pregnancy jeans or anything. Like I was five foot eight and like 130 pounds. Like I was smaller than I was in high school. Like I was all bones and big boobs because I was nursing. Yeah. 
And most people um, look at you and go, oh my God, she's so lucky. She lost What's your secret? Yeah. yeah. Like, wow. And it wasn't because I was trying to lose weight. I just, I, like every time she would make a sound, I had to pick her up. Yeah. So if I was trying to make myself something to eat, I couldn't possibly get up. And any slight movement would wake her. So if I was holding her and trying to do something, it would wake her up. And like, it was just, it was incredibly frustrating. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, she was constantly hungry and looking back, you know, it was probably because she wasn't getting as much as she should have Mm -hmm. because I wasn't getting enough. So anyways, that kind of went on for a while. Um, And like some nights Jeff would say, you know, let's just give her formula. Like she's hungry. You're tired. I'm tired. And I just was adamant against it. I refused flat out. And she cried all the time. (laughs) This child would not sleep ever. And I was determined that that's okay. That's good for her brain development. She's going to be the smartest kid on on the planet. She's going to have good lungs. (laughs) She's going to have good lungs. And she does. Um, Anyways, so, you know, the first couple of weeks, I just attributed it to like the baby blues, which is a normal thing that most moms go through where your hormones kind of try to regulate and you just cry on demand. And so I did have that for the first couple of days. But usually Um, it's just for a couple of days. It doesn't last much longer. It doesn't last much longer. Exactly. Um, so then I went from being sad to just being um, resentful. Like I was mad at Jeff for going to work. I was mad at this baby for no reason. And I, um, I went deep into like a really, really bad. Um, well, now looking back, it was depression. But I remember like Christine calling me um, from work one day and Sophie might have been maybe a week old. And she was just calling to check in and she said, so like, cause she knew how much I wanted kids. Right. She's like, so like, how do you love it? Like, how do you like motherhood? And I said, I hate it. (laughs) Like just flat out. Like, I just, I hate it. I don't want to see what's coming out now. Yeah. And I'm like, I want someone to come take this baby. Like I can't fucking handle it. And she was like, oh, and like, she's (laughs) not expecting that answer. obviously, And obviously not equipped to deal with that kind of (laughs) response. What do you say? (laughs) Right. So like, I don't think she knew what to kind of do with that information. Mm -hmm. So anyways, that was kind of like my first thing. I was always pretty honest about my feelings. Um, Never how bad they were. Um, So what, what really freaked me out was that I would have what I now know are called intrusive thoughts. And I thought I was going crazy because I would be like upstairs in the bedroom with the baby and I'd be rocking her. And I would just like, it was almost like you were dreaming or like trying to imagine something, but you couldn't control it. Mm -hmm. So, like, I would imagine myself, like, walking down the stairs and just dropping her and then her just, like, splattering on the tiles or, like, her being in the stroller and rolling onto Falkenberg Highway traffic and getting hit by a transport. And not because I wanted these things to happen. It's just the ideas would pop into my head and I could not stop them. Like, all sorts. And, like, even, like, freaky things like monsters or people breaking into the house. Like, all sorts. And, like, all day long. And that has to be scary for you to know that you can't control like yeah things that are happening and in my mind I was thinking I must want this to happen like what kind of monster wants that to happen to their child yeah um so that was part of it too um I also had um not not suicidal thoughts in in the sense that I was planning anything I don't think I ever got close to it but the ideas again would pop into my head and it was the it was awful like to even think about it now um but basically I was stuck in this place where I can't kill myself because then I'm leaving Jeff 
as a single dad. And then my child has to grow up knowing that her mom did this as a result of her being born. And then I can't kill her because I could never live with myself. So then I was like, the only thing that would make sense and in my, in my twisted mind at the time was for both of us to die. And so I pictured all sorts of things. Um, and I eventually landed on drowning us both in the bathtub, which again, it never turned into a plan. Like it wasn't something that I even really considered. It was just that idea, like I, that escapism kind of fantasy would kind of pop into my, my mind once in a while, yeah. which again, made me feel like such a freaking monster. Um, I fantasized about just leaving, like just packing up in the middle of the night and leaving, like all sorts of, of different things that Every I would never Every scenario ever... you could think of. Right. To get out of this feeling, like whatever will make this, um, these feelings stop. Yeah. I would just cry all the time or I was raging and, um, you know, it was just, it, it got to be too much. And so it got worse and worse and I kept thinking it'll get better. Um, after about a month and a half, I would get Jeff to drop me off at my parents' house almost every morning on his way to work because I was scared to be alone with the baby um, because I was afraid I would shake her or do something because I was at that point. Um, so around, so she was born in September. So around Christmas time, um, Jeff had gone to our neighbor's house for something. I guess he wanted to check out his garage or whatever, and he didn't bring his phone with him. And Sophie started crying and she wouldn't stop. Uh, so I put her in her crib upstairs and I went back to like our main floor and I just like lost it. I started throwing things, um, threw stuff off the counters. I think I broke a picture frame. Like I just, everything that I had been pent up for three months just kind of all came out and I just destroyed my house while the baby was crying upstairs. And I couldn't get a hold of Jeff because I wasn't going to go next door because I was yeah. embarrassed. Um, so the dishwasher was open and it sounds really dramatic, but it's the truth. So it's very dramatic, but the, the dishwasher was open and we had like the utensils rack on the side and there was a big knife kind of sticking out of it. And like, I had no idea of what to do with it or anything, but I just kind of kept looking at it and I was just staring at it until Jeff finally came home and he just looked around. And he said, you can't do this. Like what's going on? So he didn't know what to do with this information. And that was kind of like my major breaking point where I was like, I like I'm dangerous now. Like I can't do this. Yeah. So I just, I was bawling and I just said, I need, I, I don't know what to do. I need help. So the next, cause this was later on at night. So the next day I called, I Googled postpartum depression and our town and whatever. And um, I found the perinatal program through the hospital um, at the mental health and addiction center. So I called them. And they kind of did like um, an intake process with me over the phone, like, you know, um, screening questions to see like how bad it was, like if I was really in urgent need or if this could kind of wait or whatever. Um, and they determined that I was uh, medium to high risk. And uh, they like, they asked me, you know, the typical questions like, are you thinking of hurting yourself or your child? And I answered the same way that I just told you, kind of like, you know, it, it's popped into my head. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm not planning on doing that. But like, the idea has hit me multiple yeah. times. Um, so they said, okay, like, we're closed because of Christmas. Like, this was like three days before Christmas. Um, so we'll call you in the new year and we'll make an appointment. And I said, okay. And they asked if I had a plan because, you know, obviously there was concern for our well-being. And I said, yeah, like, I'm going to go to my parents' house every day while my husband's at work. 
um, and you know we have family visiting like from out of town whatever for Christmas so like I can make it through that point and just calling and reaching out I felt better yeah like I felt that there was you know there was going to be um, some sort of light at the end of the tunnel whereas like I was th- like falling down a pit this whole time mm-hmm. when I should have been enjoying having this baby that I've always wanted yeah um so you know we got through the holidays and even that was rough like we were at my in-laws and I just felt very detached and I was not myself um so like Christmas kind of sucked that year it was not not a good Christmas at all I tried but you know it was really it was even hard to fake it at that point yeah um so they called me a few days after New Year's and I got an appointment um for kind of like a more formal assessment with a social worker and I met with her and um, her name was Jackie she was like this little old lady like she was really really sweet Um, first thing that you do when you get in is they give you like they let you choose a quilt so I guess these ladies kind of get together and they donate these quilts to the perinatal program and each mom gets to take one home and it's kind of like a gift to signify like you know here you go like you're going to get through it. And here's kind of a reminder. Yeah. So it was really sweet. And so that was unexpected and really, really nice. I still have it. It has an owl on it. Um, yeah. So it was just, it was kind of a nice way to break the ice and get started. Yeah. So she went over my symptoms with me, the things I was experiencing. And yeah, so that was kind of like the beginning of, of how I, I was diagnosed anyways. So she based on the screening questions she um, asked me, she said, okay, like you're, you have severe postpartum depression. And that's when she got me in touch with um, a psychiatrist and stuff like that and different um, community partners that provided some help. So anyways, they made sure I had a plan for the state, like for our safety and all that kind of thing. And so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was rough. Like, um, like, you've talked Not to some- us about it, but I, you've never, like, gone into depth of how bad it was. You just said, you know, I have it. I was treated for it. You know, I yeah. had some thoughts. But to really hear, like, all the detail and how severe it was, because there is such a stigma around it. People mm-hmm. don't talk about it. So when you hear these things, like, wow, that was... It's intense. Like, that was it's- hard to listen to, but, like, yeah. the way that, like... More so the fact that we didn't even know. No, and it's not something that, like I've shared about my story in a very, maybe if you're reading it and you don't know the whole story, it seems very specific and very yeah. personal. Um, but I don't share the half of it. Only because like I wouldn't share that on um, my own personal social social media platform. Yeah. Not for not because I'm ashamed of it or anything, but there no. are a lot of it that could be triggering, right? So um yes. Like, I got through it, but I also had an amazing support system. Yes. Um, you know, my husband, like, Jeff went and talked, you know, they offered to have a third party who didn't know me, didn't know my specific case, um, meet with him and discuss with him, like, what I was going through. So he took time off work and he went and met with a social worker who just explained to him what postpartum depression was because, like, he was only hearing it from me yeah. and he was trying to be supportive, but, like, he didn't have any understanding of it, right? And like, like he can you, so this was new for you, too. Exactly. You didn't know how to deal, so he's not sure how to deal either. I find that's with a lot, like, with a partner, it's like you're trying to be supportive, but you need to know how to be supportive. Yeah. And so he went and like, he, you know, he got literature from her and stuff. Mm -hmm. And 
he's like I had no idea and I said yeah, yeah like the you know whatever she told you is the worst like that's what I've been going through he's like I yeah. just thought you know he's like I don't want to be mean but I just thought you were being lazy because you didn't want to clean and you didn't want to do this and like now he he like he then he realized that it was part of of the illness right like it wasn't yeah because I was just lazy and didn't want to it's I had a um chemical imbalance mm-hmm. in my brain so anyways it made him a lot more understanding to it yeah so what was your treatment so I met with Jackie so my nurse uh social worker clinician she was basically like a counselor um and I would alternate between seeing her one week and then seeing the psychiatrist uh Dr. Matthew the next week so the first time I saw the psychiatrist um she kind of tried to see if it was bipolar disorder based on I guess some of the ways I was presenting my symptoms um but then she ruled it out and she understood that I wanted to keep breastfeeding so she prescribed me with Zoloft which was researched for many many years and is like one of the oldest um Mm -hmm. SSRIs on the market and considered safe um, for breastfeeding and pregnancy. Very low risk. And so that's what she prescribed me. We started with 25 milligrams. Um, and then every two weeks to a month, she would increase it by 25 until we reached 125. And we, like, I felt like it was a good, um, good amount. Like it was working well for me at that point. I was very mm-hmm. hesitant to get on um, antibiotics, not antibiotics, antidepressants um, because of the stigma behind that. Because I'm sure you've seen people share on Facebook uh, or any other social media pictures of pills and then pictures of like a forest. And it says, these aren't antidepressants. This is. Yeah. And I just get so mad because you know what? Yeah. Nature hikes are great and all, but in the middle of November and December with a brand new baby with suicidal thoughts and homicidal thoughts, no, like a walk through the park would not have helped me. Like I needed this medication to save my life. Fresh air can only get you so far. And you absolutely need that. Like I'm not saying that you don't need a healthy diet and exercise and sleep and all that. But in my situation, I could not get healthy um, amounts of sleep or exercise. Like if I didn't take these pills, like we could both be dead. Yeah. So like when I see things like that, it really rubs me the wrong way. Um, but at the time, I had never been on antidepressants. I was always told that it was bullshit, basically, um, yeah. by, like, family and stuff like that. So I was afraid to take them. I said, is it going to alter my personality? Like, all of those myths that you hear. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, like, it's going to make it so that you stop getting intrusive thoughts. And along with therapy, like, you'll be able to better handle your emotions. Like, it's, you have an imbalance in your brain. This is, if you had diabetes, you would take insulin. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same idea. It's a maintenance drug at this time. You need to take it. So I did. And um, I was on it for about three or four years. Um, I was still on it with my pregnancy with Lincoln and everything was great. Uh, He was born mostly fine. He's a little bit weird now, but I think that's just (laughs) his personality. That's just a Um, boy thing. (laughs) That's just a boy thing. He's he's just a typical four-year-old. And then I stopped taking it for a while once I went back to work. So I felt like I was in a routine. I was around people again and I felt good. So I slowly weaned myself off and I was doing fine, you know, still like bouts here and there, but I mean, I don't think it was anything more than what anybody typically goes through like normal depressive symptoms like nothing that bad um until COVID hit and um suddenly I had to work from home and there was the uncertainty of this disease and 
um, I had to work with my kids at home and, you know, like all the, like the world just kind of turned upside down. Yeah. And I called my family doctor and I went right back on it. And it's just, it's but one of those good things. on you though. Like, cause you're, yeah. you know, it's, there's a possibility of that because now you're quarantined, you're social distancing. Yep. You don't, you can't really, you know, we had a hard time as like our, like just us as a group of friends. Yeah. Like, exactly. We couldn't hang out all of a sudden. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's just it. Like I, like, well, I think all of us, we're all very social people. Yes. Especially so with not, each other. <laughs> exactly. And so like not being able to get together um, with anybody, like family and stuff, like that was hard. And yeah. so I just preemptively, like, I, I remember trying to go to the grocery store for the first time after this had been going on for like three weeks. And I almost had a full-blown panic attack inside mm-hmm. the grocery store. Just seeing all the lineups and the plexiglass everywhere, which obviously is necessary. Um, and this was before the masks became yeah. mandatory, right? And I was just like, whew, like I, you know what, before this gets any worse and I can't even leave my house, mm-hmm. dip it in the bud now. And so I just renew my prescription and it, you know, it might be temporary or I might need to be on it until this all blows over. Yep. Um, but anyways, so all that to say, like I've, my comfort level with medication has gotten a lot better. I'm totally an advocate for using it when you need it. It doesn't replace exercise and diet and everything else. But I mean, especially in times like these, like, you know, or postpartum depression or any kind Mm -hmm. of depression. Where you're going kind um, of stir crazy. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's better than the alternative, right? So anyway, so I, that's what I worked on with the psychiatrist was mainly um, figuring out the dosage that was right for me. Um, and at first making sure that it wasn't bipolar disorder, because then that would be a whole different kind of medication and yeah. um, whatever else. And so then with the counselor, we worked on coping techniques um, and I kind of shared what I was doing with her that she thought was helpful. Um, like anytime I felt like I was going to shake or hit, you know, which I never, I never hit her, but I mean like, you know, sometimes you get the urge and you're just getting mm-hmm. like that worked up. Um, I would just clap my hands, like not in her face, but like just clap my hands and it would kind of get that sensation out. And then the baby also kind of thought it was funny. Yeah. So <laughs> like, oh, like that's interesting. Like, I, you know, <laughs> keep doing that then. Like just like very random things. Um, and she said, you know, she's the one who told me that those weird thoughts I was having were called intrusive thoughts. And I was like, oh my God, like I thought I was insane. She said, no, yeah. that's, that's a very, um, very typical symptom of depression, especially postpartum depression or, you know, psychosis or whatever. Um, Cause I wasn't hallucinating or anything. It was almost like I was fantasizing about these bad things happening. And so she said, uh, nope, you know, anytime that starts to pop into your head, just stop and tell yourself they're just thoughts. And like, you know, the medication will help too, but um, you know, tell yourself it's not real. It's not because you want it. And, you know, just try to stop it in its tracks and think about something else. So, you know, that was one of the kind of coping mechanisms we worked on, um, making sure I took breaks daily, uh, which was really hard to do as a mom. Like, you'll know, it's hard to take an hour away to yourself every day. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just, it's nearly impossible, not because you, you don't have a partner who will let you, but because you feel bad. Yeah. Even doing that. So. And the kids um, always want you. Always. always Like, look at us. We started recording this podcast at what, like 930? Yeah, because and they still got up at finally least one. <laughs> I heard one get up and start crying because Jeff probably yelled at them to go to bed. But I mean, it's just, I mean, mom life, right? Yeah. So, um, so that was my, my main um, therapy. I, at the time, I wished there would have been a support group. There is now um, mm-hmm. through the Nor- uh, Northern Initiative for Social Action, um, which I attended a few 
when I was pregnant with Lincoln, but at that point I didn't feel like, um, I needed it. I shared my story with them, but a lot of them had already had kids. So like they've had, they had already gone through it. So it's not like I needed the support anymore. Like I had already, um, I had already like given out, you know, I had already poured my heart out about it. I had gotten the Mm -hmm. help I needed, but I feel like that would have been so helpful simply because like we said, like nobody else had kids yet out of our group. So like you guys couldn't possibly understand what I was going through through no fault of your own. It's just, there was, I could never have understood it if it was you coming to me and saying, this is how I'm feeling. I'd be like, holy shit, like, what do I do about this? Because like I said, you were the first person to even say postpartum depression to me and even right. talk about it. Yep. So it was, and you know what? I lied to my midwives about it because I was so ashamed. Like, because they do like the baby blues test type of thing, right? Yeah. After the baby's born, like, how are you feeling? And I just told them what they wanted to hear. And at my postnatal appointments, I told them what they wanted to hear because as much as this baby was stressing me out and I kept thinking to myself, somebody come take it. I was terrified that somebody would come and take my baby away because I was having these feelings. So I think that's a lot of like a big part of people not wanting to come forward is that they're afraid of any kind of repercussions, either um, being shamed for it or that they'll lose custody of their baby, which is not a valid fear. Like, I mean, it's, it's not that it's not to invalidate their fears, but rather like they're not going to do that. All of this kind of factored into my decision to not go back to work when she turned one. Um, because we did have a really hard time bonding even after Mm -hmm. my treatment started. Um, it kind of had to start from scratch, kind of like when you meet somebody and develop a friendship or a relationship with them, because I never had that organic burst of like oxytocin that you're supposed to have, um, Mm -hmm. when the baby's born. So our, like, I'm, I obviously love her and like, we have a very strong connection now, but it's very different. Um, not any less um strong or anything but with Lincoln when he was born I got that because I had nothing kind of inhibiting it right so the second he was born it was like oh okay that's what you're supposed to feel so with him it's more of like a deeply rooted um kind of like um instinctive connection with whereas with her we had to work at it which almost makes it stronger than it probably would have been at the time so we had to work at it and now she's like my little shadow Mm -hmm. so as much as I wouldn't wish this experience on anybody um, because it was awful. I, you know, it was the worst thing I've ever lived through. I have the knowledge from it and the life experience that I can now share with people and say, listen, like you can do it or you can be miserable. One of the other questions that I wanted to ask is if, if you were the only one who kind of knew or did other people know you had postpartum and just didn't really talk to you about it? Yeah, nobody told me about it. So once I got the diagnosis and we told people, because I didn't want to keep it a secret, Mm -hmm. from the first, like from the onset, um, I was very open about it. Uh, And shockingly, so my mom's a nurse, like I told you, and they always kind of swept my uh, calls for help, I guess, under the rug as like teenage angst or whatever. And so when I tried to talk to my mom about it, she refused to even hear about it. She would change the subject or she would ignore me completely, which was hard for me um, mm-hmm. because my mom and I are really close. And so when I would try to talk to her about my counseling sessions or um, the medication I was to anything relating to my postpartum depression, um, she was not helpful. 
Um, my dad, though, had gone through some post-traumatic stress after getting into multiple car accidents as a driving instructor. So he was actually super supportive and would talk to me about it. So it actually made us very close um, because we, we were never super close to begin with. And so this kind of um, strengthened our relationship. My mom eventually did come around. My dad, I don't know that he noticed anything, not that he ever told me. Jeff definitely knew there was something wrong, but didn't know, mm -hmm. like didn't know again, like what was normal. Right parent new parent things or you know or just me being lazy like he didn't he, he could never verbalize to me what he thought was wrong so he never wanted to say to me like I think there's something wrong with you because I was already such a loose cannon yeah right <laughs> so he's like I'm not stirring that pot <laughs> no because then he'll be on my hit list right um so he obviously knew there was something going on but didn't didn't really verbalize it he tried to help me as much as he could without saying anything his mom said I knew there was something wrong but didn't want to upset me. Right. Um, Christine, obviously, after our conversation that yeah. day, <laughs> had said, you know, yeah, I kind of had a feeling after you told me you hated being a mom. But had someone come to me and said something along the lines of, well, if, you know, if you think that, the, you know, that there's something off or I've noticed that you don't seem quite yourself and maybe given me a phone number or even just, you know, if you ever want to talk or, you know, mm -hmm. even just to get the bug in your ear is all, is all somebody needs sometimes. Yeah. So last, well, not the last question, but <laughs> on that topic, if you did meet a new mom and you kind of sensed that she had postpartum, would you approach her about it and how? So kind of like I said, like there's a sensitive way to approach it and it depends on, how, on your relationship. Mm -hmm. If it was a close friend of mine, you know, if we had a, like, you know, one of you guys and we knew each other really well and we don't bullshit each other. Yeah. Listen, I've been where you are. Here's the number to call or here's the support group information. Like give them a call and just see what they say. Mm -hmm. Or my sister, or you know what I mean? Like family members, like anybody that I'm very close with, I can kind of just tell them directly. Like I've been where you are. Don't, don't play with this. It's not, yeah. it's not healthy and it could very well ruin your life if you let it. Um, somebody that I'm not as close with, maybe more, I would maybe just kind of talk about my experience, you know, just to tell them, you know, I'm not intruding in your personal business. It's not, not my business, but here's what I went through and here's the help I got and here's where I am now. Mm -hmm. So I think it really depends on your personal relationship, but I don't think it's something that you should ever ignore. Yeah. So I did a last minute survey on Facebook actually. I missed that. In the new moms group. Okay. So I'm going to ask you the same questions, then I'll let you know what the answers were. So 20 people um, took the survey just because it was very last minute. Okay. Um, so I did say, did you experience postpartum depression? And 12 of them said yes. Eight okay. of them said no. But I told everybody to participate, even if they didn't have it. So I said, if you answered yes, did you receive medical treatment from a doctor, midwife, or OBGYN? So... Eight of them were not applicable because they were participating but didn't have postpartum. Right. And five of them said yes. Seven of them said no. Um, and this was one for no. So I said, for those who answered no to postpartum depression, did you have a medical professional ask you about postpartum depression or follow up with you after birth to discuss it? Yep. But I lied. <laughs> so four of them were not applicable. And... 
12 of them said yes, but two of them said no. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think they asked me with Lincoln, thinking back on it. They did with Sophie, and I just pretended everything was great. The second time around, I don't think they did. Do you think it's because you were already on medication that they didn't? They, and they knew I was on medication, so that it could be. And I think okay. they probably saw my demeanor was different. Like, I had the same providers as I had the first time around. Okay. Um, I think they could sense that it was okay. I, and you know what? Maybe they did ask, and I just don't remember. Um, but I don't think it, like, I don't have that seared memory in my brain of, like, yeah. <laughs> making up my answers like I did the first time around. So it's possible that they did at least one time. Um, this was an interesting one. If you had or have postpartum depression. Did you feel supported by your spouse? Yes. So six of them were not applicable. You say yes. Mm-hmm. Ten of them said yes. Four of them said no. Interesting. And that's hard because like your spouse is like your main person. Yeah, it's your, it's your partner in all of this. Yeah, so they're supposed to have your back the most. <laughs> yeah, and so like I said, when, when the counselor offered to have a third party discuss it with my partner... Mm-hmm. Um, that was a game changer because yeah. he was always supportive. Like he wanted to be there to help, but didn't know how. Yeah. And having a, you know, a professional who didn't know me describe to him exactly what I was going through and the ways that he could help me um, mm-hmm. totally, totally changed the game. Yeah. So I would recommend that to any partner who thinks, even if they don't, um, if they're partner, like if their wife or partner, you know, the one with who they suspect has postpartum depression, um, even if they're not actively seeking treatment, um, for whatever reason, if you think your partner has this, absolutely reach out to, you know, any professional you know, and they yeah. could at least give them some tips on how to help them cope. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so then I asked if they felt supported by medical professionals. Um, I did once I reached out to them, um, and the lack of support, the at the first was my own yeah. avoidance of it. So you probably I mean, would a have, soft, but <laughs> I'd, I'd say a soft. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I feel like um, they would have been, had I, had I been honest, I feel like they would have been on it. Yeah. Um, so six of these were not applicable. Uh, nine of them said yes, but five said no. Interesting. Right. And I mean, I know your spouse is kind of number one, but a pro- medical professional, if you don't have that backing you up, who do you have after? Well, exactly. And I, it makes me wonder, and again, I'm not bashing any kind of profession. It makes me wonder who they had as their um, yeah. primary care for their mm-hmm. pregnancy. And it could be family doctor too, at that point too. Like you never oh, know. Yeah. Who, That's why I said it's a medical about. profession, like anybody. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting and not, and you know, not every midwife is the same either. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. That's too bad. Yeah. That, that's really not, uh, not conducive to a healthy because more people felt unsupported by a medical professional than even their spouse wow yeah that's scary uh if you had postpartum depression what type or kind of treatment did you receive so you talked about that yeah um so one of them said i didn't realize i had ppd until i no longer was experiencing it um so looking back i realized it was not myself but i guess they didn't have treatment another one was therapy and medication someone else said nothing we had some counseling. Um, one of them, I was never diagnosed. I never reached out for help, but I'm certain I had a mild form of it. So untreated again. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, that's kind of a common one that I'm seeing quite a bit. 
Yeah. Um, talking openly to others, sports, physical activities, outdoors, um, CBD. Oh, that's the first CBD. Interesting. I guess that's becoming, now that it's legal, I guess that's becoming. It's more of an object, uh, more yeah. of a, an option now. Yeah. Instead of, I guess, using prescribed medication. Right. Um, therapy again. And someone said none because it went away as soon as my little one's colic was gone. <laughs> yeah. Sophie had colic. So I, <laughs> I hear that. Um, this one though. So this one was actually pretty detailed. So she contacted crisis three weeks postpartum. Okay. Um, they had her speak with a counselor after four session agreed. I need a more intense new mother focused treatment. Went through with the perinatal program through health sciences, North psychiatry. Yep. So same as you. Um, did counseling bi-weekly until 50 months postpartum and then worked with a natural path. Oh, that's interesting too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was discharged at about um, about a year, year and a bit. Um, did you discuss with your family and friends that you had postpartum depression? Uh, once I was diagnosed, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this one I kind of had, I, I gave a couple options. So yes was for family and friends. Then there was no, then there was either only friends or only family. Because you know how some people feel like they can talk to their friends more than their family or their family more than their friends? Yep, totally. Um, so eight people were not applicable. And then four said yes, four said no, and four said only family. So that oh. kind of surprised me. That me too. Nobody said only friends because I kind of, I feel like I would have done only friends. <laughs> you know what though? So like in my situation, I didn't have friends who could understand what I was going through. Yeah, that's true. Cause like, like if the only mom. Exactly. And I hadn't, I hadn't gone to any of the best start hubs yet or anything. So I hadn't met any new moms. Yeah. So all I had were like those Facebook groups full of sanctimonies. <laughs> every decision you made. So yeah. Um, that it just made me feel worse. So like, I, I didn't talk to any of you guys about it because, like, it was a burden, it felt like. Yeah. You know, like, you guys don't understand what I'm going through. I don't want to freak you out. Um, if, I, if, that, if I was going through this now, though, um, knowing that you have kids, you know, it might be a different situation. Like, you know, mm-hmm. did you ever feel this way or whatever? Um, but I couldn't really talk to my family about it either because they weren't very yeah. supportive. Um, so I mainly talked to Jeff and, like, my uh, therapist. That was pretty yeah. much my only options. Um, my other question was, if you could give one, mem- one mom advice who is going through PPD, what would it be? Um, just, uh, like, tell somebody. Um, tell your partner or tell a friend. If you don't know who to reach out to, Google. Like, honestly, that's what I did. I just got on the mm-hmm. internet and Googled postpartum depression and the name of my city. Um, and you'll find all sorts of resources even more now than there were seven years ago. Yeah. Um, even if you think you have it, but you're not totally sold on it, it doesn't hurt to call. They'll do an intake with you over the phone. Nothing bad's going to happen. They're not yeah. going to take your kid away. The best thing you can do is ask for help because yeah. there's plenty out there for you to get. And that's what everybody wrote. They're like, ask for help. You're not alone. Don't be ashamed. Reach out. It's yeah. not going to pass. So that's pretty much what everybody's answers there yeah um I I already know your answer for this one but did you feel like you you could openly discuss postpartum depression on some type of forum whether it be Facebook group other moms or a spouse so um I tried with um Facebook groups again Mm -hmm. because I didn't have friends going through it um and they were like these really big like multi-thousand member 
million members, even sometimes groups who would just shame you for it. Like, you know, yeah. um, you can't let your baby cry cause you're a shit parent. Uh, you can't, you know what I mean? Like just terrible things that just made me feel worse. Six people said not applicable. And then it was a split between yes and no seven and seven. Yeah. So. It is hard to talk about, especially with people you're close with. Yeah. Um, if you had a concern about a new mom having postpartum depression, would you be comfortable discussing it with her and how, and you kind of already answered that one before. And again, with all of these answers that they, they said, it was the same thing. If they really knew them, if they were a close acquaintance, they'd say yes, that they would talk about it. Um, if not, they would just kind of, again, discuss what they were, what they had gone through and, you know, see what the response would be and kind of go from there. Yeah, kind of gauge their um, their reaction. Yeah. Um, okay, final question. All right. Not doesn't have to be postpartum related. It could just be just general. It was, what is one thing or piece of advice you would give your new mom self if you could go back in time? <sighs> okay, well, so much of my first mom experience was surrounded by postpartum so I'm going to answer it that way um, (laughs) because that was like my main theme Mm -hmm. uh, for that uh, first few months of motherhood so I would just tell myself to ask for help and talk to somebody about what's going on uh, tell your midwives the truth Mm -hmm. about how you're feeling and don't try to make them hear what you think they want to hear don't sugarcoat it don't sugarcoat it tell them the nitty-gritty that you feel like shit Um, no one's going to take your baby away um, and don't wait, like make the call now. Yeah. So that would be my advice to myself and also give the baby the damn formula. (laughs) (laughs) And get some baby, a bottle, (laughs) give the baby a bottle and go the fuck to sleep. (laughs) If I knew then what I know now, both my kids are fucking weird. And one of them has had formula and the other one hasn't. So yeah, it doesn't matter. It, I mean, they all end up shitting their pants till they're three or four anyway, because that's yep. the kind of mom I am. The breast milk did nothing. <laughs> okay, well, thanks a lot for coming on here and sharing your story. That was, um, it was more than I expected, but I'm really glad to hear it. And I'm, I'm sad that we didn't reach out to you more knowing now what you were going through. I wish we would have been better friends, but we don't know what we don't know. Exactly. And it's but now, that's why this is exactly this is why these kinds of things are important to talk about yeah um because now maybe another you know bar hop and 23 year old will reach out to her new mom friend <laughs> yeah be like listen you okay yeah you hanging in there <laughs> you hanging in there i know them babies are rough yeah <laughs> so yeah no i'm um, i'm glad we did this too it was uh, it's a lot to share and it's very uh very rough but yeah we're at a point now that it was a long time ago and I've learned a lot from it and mm-hmm. totally happy to um, talk about it. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your story. All right. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. So you don't miss a single episode. You can also leave a rating and you can also send us a voice message about today's episode.